to another episode of Stickbow Country. Um, Will and I have a special guest here tonight from the great state of Michigan, as a lot of uh, traditional bow hunters seem to be from Michigan. And uh, we got Jim Eckhout with us uh, tonight. But before I um, interview, or Will and I to discuss things with uh, Jim, you could do us a favor and, and give us some re- reviews and ratings on the on the podcast. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated uh, from our end. So if you could do that, that would be wonderful. Uh, I think that's about it. So, uh, Jim, it's good to have you. It's good to meet you. And well, not in person, but, you know, this whole electronic world stuff. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we're going to just talk bows and bears and and anything traditional bow hunting. Okay. Well, first off, thanks for having me on. Um, I guess uh, anybody that knows me knows I've been a lifelong traditional bow hunter. Um, I started shooting a bow as a small kid. Um, my dad was a traditional bow hunter. I always shot bear recurves. Um, you know, being here from Michigan, I had the opportunity to. Uh, when bear archery was still here in Grayling, that would be one of our uh, annual trips. Probably actually a couple times a year we'd make the pilgrimage up that way and camp or do whatever, or you know always have to stop off at the bear museum. So that's kind of like where I got a lot of inspiration um, for my hunting when I was younger, being able to mm. see all the trophies and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so then like when I was probably I think I was a years old um my dad's like well you're old enough now to get a hunting weight bow so another trip to the museum and uh purchased my first hunting bow and uh i just kind of never looked back i've always had a bow in my hand so and plus i grew up on a farm and i was able to hunt right out the door so that was a big advantage you know so we had deer right there so yeah huge yeah. so did you know did you did you know brian before you like met him after the fact or anything like that? Did you know him when you were younger or anything like no, that? No, it is no. And Brian and I live probably probably grew up about an hour apart. Um, really, and never met him. Yep, we never knew each other. Um, we both worked for the automotive industry where we worked like a mile at, when Brian was still working, probably a mile and a half apart. No way. Yep, and we belong to the same organizations. Um, <laughs> And Brian had the very almost exact upbringing as I did, going to the Bear Museum and stuff like that. Um, same inspirations, you know, with Fred Bear. And, you know, I did a lot. Of, I like to read a lot. And I've always done that. So, like, reading the Fred Bear Field Notes or um, stuff by Russell Annabelle. I don't know if you guys yeah. ever heard of him, but all his stories about Alaska and his adventures in Alaska um, and stuff like that. So, that's kind of – that was always um, – what inspired me too to do a lot of traveling or go on these adventure hunts so when you so when you met brian for the first time was it like a like this whole big like holy crap like well yeah so we um we actually became friends on facebook and then we met up in grayling at one of the shoots you know we know we were both going to be there and it just kind of went from there yeah yeah oh Yep. That that whole bear archery thing is just it it's so much fun. Um I'm I'm new to this whole trad world uh, just in the last 2 years and I got this book I'm sure Jim you know about and Will you probably do too where every 
pretty much every bare bow that's ever been made is in this book. So you can look up, you know, hey, a guy asks, hey, what year is my grizzly? And uh, you look at this. Yeah. I can't think of the name of it, but man, I got that thing in the it's mail. George like Colvin's book, right? Yeah. 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 George, George is the uh, editor for uh, Michigan Traditional Bowhunter Magazine. George is a great guy, good personal friend of mine. So um, oh, that man. book is like the encyclopedia. So anything you want to know. And then he also has the other book is um, the accessories. And yeah, all, and all that stuff. So you can look up everything that you know bears produce through the years. It's very that, good, good to have. Does that go back to uh, compound stuff too? I think it does, doesn't it? <clears throat> I I think you know the bow part is strictly all the traditional bows. Okay. But um, it does get into some like in the accessory stuff, some stuff that we use on both you know both bows. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because I. I I acquired that thing, and I got a couple of uh, old trid- uh, compound bows, you know, the old cam, lock them in, the whole thing, and whatever, and they were like my great-grandpa's, my dad's, and whatever, and I was like, man, I'm really interested in, like, learning about these things, and somebody told me about it, you know, just being the traditional archery community, they're like, you should look into this book, and gave you like a breakdown of like the entire boat but it was it was a very short story on the compound side of things as opposed to the traditional side of things and that's kind of what got me into traditional bow hunting because i was like man there's so much more that goes into these wooden bows that they're making that right it just intrigues me you know that 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 means that resonates to me more than anything you know and i started looking into it and i never i, I think i have i have had two bare bows and yeah it was just you know and the two that i had it that in that book it just depictly represented exactly where that boat came from so yeah. it was you know the heritage and the you know lineage of bear archery is yeah very very much uh scripted and you can't you really can't go wrong i mean you know exactly what you have because it's been recorded you know so yeah right pretty truly you know it's time tested and they work you know yeah yeah Yeah. so what are the what other bows do you enjoy, Jim? Do you like shooting any anything else besides bears or no? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I should I shouldn't say I don't enjoy shooting other bows because I yeah. do. Um I don't mind shooting other bows, but I've even owned a uh, I owned one custom bow and I shot it for a year or so and got rid of it. Um Oh really? Yeah, and there was nothing wrong with it. A great shooting bow, and uh, I got a good friend of mine, um, David Darling from Kalamazoo Bow Works. He oh, built me a long bow, um, and I love shooting that too. So that's a really good bow. Um, yeah. And then um, for I think it was two or three years, I shot a Predator recurve that was made here in Michigan. Mm. And um, and what it what the deal with that was was actually my dad's bow, and he had came down with cancer and. Um, after he was done with all his surgeries and in remission, he just didn't have the upper body strength to be able to shoot it anymore. So he gave it to me and I, I hunted with it for like a season or two seasons. I think I shot, um, quite a few animals with it, shot my mountain goat with it and that. And then, uh, 
I broke a set of limbs and there's only one more set and they had changed a limb design and they're just you just can't get them unless you find an old bow somewhere so I just kind of retired it so I mm. just went back to my so that was but so like I say since I've been a kid I've always shot bare recurves yeah yeah Michigan. well Michigan yeah that's it that, it seems like that's the thing from Michigan you know you, yeah you yep. shoot the bears yeah I mean that's the first book I ever read was remembering Papa Bear. And that's yeah. what really got me into traditional bows, you know, and the the heritage of everything. And then on top of which, you know, going to Michigan for a lot of these rendezvous and things like that, you know, you it, that's what it all falls into. You know, you, yeah. that's the epicenter to me anyways, you know, where you yeah. guys live is traditional bow hunting and yeah. You're very fortunate to be from an area like that you know it, it's yeah. it's the yeah. culture of the whole thing yeah well and i was i was surprised when i kind of jumped into this traditional bow hunting world is how at least to me how affordable these old bear bows are now it seems like in the last i don't know six months at least guys i follow they seem to be creeping up over 300 pretty routinely but man i was getting some in the i don't know 250 ish or something and i'm like yep. man i got this i got this old bear bow for you know and i was born in 68 so i really wanted to get some bear bows made in 68 so i got a 68 grizzly um yeah 60 and a Kodiak Hunter, 68 Kodiak Hunter, and I don't know. I guess in my mind, I just thought they'd be, like, way more expensive to buy than they are, and I yeah. got my first one, and I'm in the backyard. I'm like, this thing is just – now, again, I'm a newbie. I get that, but I'm like, this thing is just throwing missiles down there, and, yep. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, they – um, I don't know. I – I noticed that some of the bubbles, certain models, the prices are creeping up pretty high on them. And other ones are, but, you know, I want to say like in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, you could just, Anderson Archer used to be here in Michigan. It was huge, in Grand Ledge. Fred Bear, everyone would come to it. They'd have this big open house, like three-day event. And when the compound craze started, they had like 55-gallon drums filled with recurved bows. And you could buy them for like five bucks or ten bucks a pop because nobody wanted them. <laughs> and you know, so I and I picked up a lot of nice bows through the years. That, but like you said, some of them I noticed that the price was creeping up on them. You know. Yeah. So Ander, Anderson Archery all together was like a compound company. Is that? Well, they were just like a just just you know like a a big giant pro shop. You know. Oh, I got just, you. Yeah, distribution place for all the archery manufacturing stuff, you know, kind of like a, I guess like you would say like a Cabela's or something, you know, they're gotcha. just gotcha. a big nationally known sporting goods here in Michigan. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, like Anderson, it's like a compound, you know, whatever, but yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. So you could buy a barrel of uh, traditional bows for like 50 bucks. Sounds yeah. like, sounds like yeah. a good you missed out, Jim. Well, <laughs> I, I bought quite a few, and then I don't know. I'm trying to think when it was. Probably it was the late '80s. 
I found a sporting goods shop in northern Michigan. I just went in randomly. I'd always go look for old recurves. An older gentleman owned the store, and we were talking, and he goes, what are you looking for? I said, I kind of like old bear recurves. He said, what? He's kind of like, nobody wants that junk. And I'm like, you want one of these? I said, no, I like, I just shoot recurves. And he's like, give me a minute. So he comes out, he goes in the back room, he comes out, and he's got like an eight-foot stepladder, and he goes to like one of those attic doors, you know, in the Mm -hmm. building. Yeah. Because I got some bear recurves up there. And I'm like, (laughs) you do? And he's like, yeah. Not thinking. He goes, come on up here. So I climb up the ladder, and there's a stack of, like, 30 brand-new bear recurves in the box from trailing. Holy cow. So I only had so much money on me, so I think I bought, like, I go, well, what do you want for these? He goes, whatever's marked on the box. And they were, like, like next to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I had enough cash on me, and I think I bought four or five came back told my dad about it he went up there and he bought almost all the rest of them you know and uh so we basically had them all you know the people were going nuts oh my god where'd you get these you know so man uh, and i still got a couple of them left still brand actually i think i got three left still in the box oh that's awesome yeah so hang on on to those bad boys yeah Yeah. that was a good find oh heck yeah no doubt well at kalamazoo this year i talked to What's his last name? Is it Bice or Bryce? Neil Bice? Yeah. Neil Bice. Jim, well, I talked to this guy for probably, might have been a half hour. He explained to me how they make a current bear recurve. I forget which model it was. It's almost entirely still built by hand, which blew my mind. And I think that model was is like 400 or 429 bucks. And I'm like, Jim, how, or no, what's his first name? Neil. Neil. I said, Neil, how do you build a, a, a bow by hand for 400 bucks today? That just doesn't even seem possible. And he says, well, we just got really good guys that work at Bear Archery. And I, I so I had to shoot a few new models. I think I shot a I think I shot the Kodiak and I don't know, maybe a Grizzly. And I, I thought the new bow shot really well too. And um, yeah, we got to get Neil on here because what his dad worked for Fred, right? Yep. And then, yeah. yeah, his dad worked directly with Fred. And then uh, Neil started um, with his dad and Fred in Grayling right when the transition was taking place when they were going to go to Gainesville. So oh, okay. yeah, Neil's a good friend. He's a great guy. Yeah, his knowledge was just like. Yeah, yeah, he's seen it all. He's been there, you know, since he was 18. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. So he started there right out of high school, basically. Yep. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. That, so that you, speaks a lot of his lineage in that whole thing too, because I mean, I don't know how Neil, how old Neil is now, but you know, it just I started my career when i was 18 and i'm like holy crap i'm 36 and i'm like that's enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if i was building bows that'd be one thing but i mean geez being a pipe fitter it's like gee right. yeah, okay you know you kind of get sick tired of the same old thing all the time. <laughs> but yeah that's pretty cool that's yeah. awesome well let's let's go down the the little bit of uh, 
Jim, you and Brian Burkhardt are going to Alaska this, I'm assuming September. What's going to be your, uh, what's going to be your bow for that hunt? You got that decided already or? Yeah, you know, um, when years and years ago when I started traveling all over doing hunts, um, once I started flying, I realized obviously I had to use a takedown bow. I had been shooting one anyway, a bear, um, one of the green stripe takedowns. I started to shoot one of them in the late 80s when they first came out. So I always, you know, it's always a takedown. Brian and I did take original 59 Kodiaks to Alaska a few years ago for the tribute hunt. The problem is, is the transportation back and forth. To fly a boat to Alaska back and forth, a one-piece boat is 150 bucks each way the last time we did it. So it's 300 bucks, you know, so... I look at it like 300 bucks. That's money I could put towards another tag or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I always shoot a takedown, um, and the bow I'll be taking for sure. I usually take two bows with me. I'll be taking my 50th anniversary takedown. And then, um, I'll take one of my other bear takedowns with me as a backup in a couple okay. sets. You know, I usually take two risers like, so Brian will, um, probably take one of his bear takedowns too. So, well, I, you know, we'll coordinate it and I'll say, okay, well, I'll bring a spare riser because we're both right-handed. <laughs> yeah. And then we both bring two sets of limbs. Yeah. So we're pretty much covered all the way around, you know. That's yeah. the beauty of those, you know, like that's three pieces. I mean, you can, I mean, very, very versatile, you know, in those yeah. situations, you know. Yeah. And when I go solo hunts, which most of my hunts were always solo hunts, I'd always just take two risers two complete takedown bows with me, you know, so I always had a spare yeah. bow with a spare mm -hmm. set of risers. Very right. rarely would I just take two sets of limbs and one riser. I mean, I did that this year on my mountain lion hunt. Sometimes I would do it, but uh, other times if I was going to be in the middle of nowhere for some time, you never know what if I drop one over in the river and lose the whole bow. At least I got a spare yeah. back camp, you know. Mm -hmm. Smashing so. in the car door or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was the first out-of-state hunt that I ever did. Um, had my uh, old LAG and uh, smashed the entire tip off that thing as soon as we got to South Dakota. And I was like, sick. I'm like, oh, my God. This is the bow that I was shooting. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, whole, the, the whole tip just smashed right off, you know. Yep. It, having a three-piece and getting a takedown and things like that like you're, you're eliminating a lot of that stuff and you know it, it it's big you know it, yeah especially traveling i mean gosh right. you, you imagine putting a 64 inch longbow in a sleeve and hope to god it gets there when yeah. you're in one piece you know it's just yeah i i get it for sure yeah so that's yeah that's what i'll be using is you know that 50th anniversary takedown so okay. what yeah. draw what draw weight you gonna go with i'm getting old so i dropped to 55 now okay. 55 you're getting yeah. old how old are you it'll be 60 this year okay Should so I? but yeah i mean it just depends like when i was turkey hunting this spring i was still shooting 60 pounds jeez but, uh, man of um, it just depends but like i say i i um i shot see two years ago when we were up there i shot um a caribou using the 55 pound limbs no yeah. issues arrow blew right through it um following year i shot a 
black bear, Southeast Alaska, big black bear and the same deal, you know, no problem with the 55. So, yeah, you know, obviously we know if you've got the right arrow set up, heavy arrows, you don't need to yeah. shoot that heavy poundage. Right. Know. So Jim, uh, just going back to that. So, you know, how, how just even back in like say 20 years, 30 years ago, whatever, you know, my great grandpa used to build bows and stuff like that. And all his bows were like 70, 60, this, that, whatever. And, uh, you know, really high poundage bows. And uh, do you think that's changed over the years and how that's kind of progressed from, you know, arrow weight as opposed to bow poundage and all these things that have kind of come into fruition over the years? Like, you know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of older guys that I shoot with, not not saying that I'm not older either, but uh, they they shoot like, I, I shoot with a guy, he's uh, 70, no, yeah, he's 78, and he shoots a 70-pound bow, and yep. he shoots it lights out. I mean, he he's yep. he's the best guy in our club, you know, and I'm well, like, holy crap, and he's a big guy, but it, it's just like, God, you know, it's a, it's a lot of weight to pull back, and I, I know that was the way it was before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all these, you know, whatever, all the technology that's gone on to, into it since then. But, you know, what do you think about that? Like, is it? Well, I think that um, maybe in more modern times in recent years, um, different limb core materials and stuff like that. Yeah. I speeds up a little bit, but. I mean, it's always been a learning curve, I think, with traditional archery. And, you know, it's with the heavy air arrows and the weight forward and, and stuff like that, that people realize you can get away with lighter poundage. Um, oh, yeah. But to yeah. your point, I got a good buddy of mine who lives down the road here, and he is 68. A couple years ago, he goes, yeah, I, I, I had a whole brand new longbow built. I said, I'm dropping weight and he had it built and it came out at like 65 pounds because he's used to shooting 80, 75, 80 pounds. Shooting his age. I said, how'd that work out for you? He goes, I can't hit nothing with it. Yeah, right. And he is, the, honestly, he is the, probably the best shot I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. methodical how he, he has a process how he shoots. Yeah. So he went back to shooting 75, 80 pound longbows and he, like you said, he is, he is lights out when he shoots. There's no, if something gets in front of him, it's dying. It's, he's, he's very good. But I just think getting back to the, your main part of your question, obviously you could, I mean, I've shot deer with 50-pound bows and blown arrows right yeah. now. Um, I know a lot of people that have shot um, bears and stuff with 45-pound bows. No problem. Bear, deer. It's just shot placement and, you know. Um, like I say, some of the newer um, broadheads that are maybe on the market mm -hmm. um, or heavier arrows, better limb, you know, designs or stuff like that. I think that's all contributing factors to the lower poundage. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. I shot a deer last year with a 40 pound bow and I've never shot anything less than 50. I mean, yeah. to, you know, that's how my great grandpa taught me. He shot right. 60 pound bows all the way up until he was. 70 something years old you know and it, it i was like well i want to see what this 40 pound bow can do 
you know, PMA, yeah. and I had a wood arrow on it, and I think altogether I was about 700 and some grains. So it was a very hairy wow. arrow for a 40-pound yep. bow, but thing blew right through it like a butter, you know, yeah. hot butter. I mean, right. it, you know, and it it seems like it kind of it kind of follows the you know people that have been into it for a long time they shoot higher poundage bows for maybe distance i i'm not quite sure but they just you know my great grandpa told me a story about how he shot a a doe at like 60 yards i'm like yeah but the traditional bow like yeah. <laughs> what the heck would you take that that yeah. was just commonplace that's how yeah. it was you know and some yeah. people hey some people can do that consistently yeah. um i can't uh, no i can't i, I just don't no. even and i would even attempt it to be honest no. with you no you know a follow-up shot's one thing but um yeah i have always shot the heaviest arrows i can get too okay i know mm-hmm. i shoot higher pump but i've always i was like man those are like logs you're shooting i said well they go, you can shoot these and it'll be faster and blah, 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 you know, yeah. and shoot these arrows or half the weight and they're faster. And I say, okay, do you want to get hit with a golf ball or a tennis or a ping pong ball? They're the exactly. same size. Exactly. And they're looking, oh, I didn't think of it that way. I go, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know. And I think that's a big controversy in like traditional archery right now, because a lot of people are like, oh, we'll just, you know, especially with wood arrows, you know, get your poundage to that spine, you know, it put 125 grains on it and you're good to go you know and most of the time you are but like me in the hunting situation i want the heaviest arrow that i can throw at that man right i i feel like that is most beneficial and i don't know it it just seems like you know getting you know back into my great grandpa's time and things like that you know they were shooting like 70 pound bows God, I can't even imagine how many, you know, grains that their arrows weighed, you know, yeah. or they didn't even think about that because they were all right. about speed, you know, or whatever. But holy cow, man, if you put you put a heavyweight arrow beside it behind a 70 pound bow, you could pretty much kill an elephant or anything. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, yeah. it's it's a it's an even keel of things and and i don't think having the hair heavy arrow necessarily is beneficial but you know it goes both ways really you know yeah. it i do well, it mostly for aim you know i i'd like to put my arrows heavy enough to where my point on is 30 yards so that way everything below okay. that i have an aim point you know I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, instinctive people, yeah, yeah. But I believe you. I, I guess I guess we're getting into a totally different subject, but yeah, it, you know, like to me, my point on is 30 yards. You know, and yeah. not that I look at my point when I shoot, but I make that decision to shoot that animal at that range and know where my point needs to be before I draw and everything else. I don't look at my point, but Got yeah it. yeah it's you know it goes into a whole other aspect of you know right the traditional archer that's going on right now it's <laughs> crazy hey it yeah. doesn't matter honestly i mean everyone has a different style of shooting than that and, and by i'm not saying what i do is right because by no means it is 
But if it works for you, just do it. That's the way I always say. Shoot whatever makes you happy. Shoot whatever way makes you happy. As long as you're out there having fun, that's what matters. You're a straight-up instinctive guy, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah, I don't always come to full draw. Well, I can tell by the situation, you know. I can tell by the animals on your wall. It doesn't really make too much of a difference, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it just. I don't know. Like I say, whatever suits you, whatever you're comfortable yeah. with, yeah. and by all means, stick with it and yeah. use it. You know. Yeah. So you got to you got to take your takedown. What's your uh, what's your arrow for uh, chasing those big, humongous moose? Are you a wood guy? Are you a carbon? Yeah, guy? always wood. Yes. Um, yep, always wood. Um, I did shoot. Um, a few animals with some original, uh, from Alaska bow hunting supply, their original grizzly stick arrows. Mm-hmm. Um, I shot a couple deer and I think one bear and I shot my mountain goat with one. That's the only things I've ever shot except for turkeys. Um, with, I've always used just wood arrows for turkeys. I just kind of use whatever arrows I have laying around. And, uh, <laughs> last I've shot a couple turkeys in the last couple years with original autumn orange arrows. Yeah. that uh i ended up getting um but no i use and for moose i'm using and i and for a lot of stuff i use footed shafts okay so, so they're sure what shafts and i get them footed either purple heart or but being or something heavy you know where do you so, get those uh sent out to get footed do you do it yourself or no um the first couple sets i had gary renfro make for me out in colorado Okay. Um, then yeah. the last set I um, had, um, his, his first name is Steve. He actually worked at Sherwood Shaft, I believe, he, or worked with them, and he lives near there. So the last set, he went over to Sherwood. Um, they have on file what shafts I want and the heaviest ones, obviously, that they have. And um, Carson gave them to him, then he footed them with uh, the uh, Babinga, so they were super heavy. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah, so that's... You know, and then I always have shot the original bear razor, the glue on razor. Okay. So, yeah, that's, man, I, I tell you, I've only shot wood, and I'm telling you, yeah, every month or two. In fact, the other night I was shooting, and the window from our kitchen is to the backyard, and I only practiced from 15 to 20. I, I mean, I could probably get out to 23 or 4, but so, of course, I got the Mackenzie deer. In between its legs, I got the block. Well, as well, you guys probably never do this, but I just smoked my wood fence right over the top of that deer. And my wife's like, What was that? I said, I missed a target, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So every once in a while, yeah, yeah, it's just part of it. People cut a couple of those wood planks in the garage so you can replace it without a new one. Right. So I keep saying to myself, I'm going to put a big backdrop of something behind that deer. But then I'm like, man, if I can't even hit the hit the body of a deer, I mean, I'm in like really big trouble. But uh, and yeah, so every every couple months or so I go, ah, man, that one's going in the garbage and whatever. You just order some. I've been dealing with um, addictive archery. Andy, that's uh. Uh, he set me up and I'll never forget the first time I called him 
it's like I was going to the doctor. He's asking me all these questions about the bow and the draw length and the I I was blown away at what was all involved in that. And um, if I could give any pointers, and I wanted to ask you this too, Jim, was surround yourself with good people when you're getting into it. And when I got that dozen arrows from Andy, they just they just flew beautifully and I went everything on his recommendation. And I think that's important when you're starting out because it, as you will, we're talking about, you know, uh, the weight of your air broadheads and how many grains this, and it, it can get kind of complicated. And uh, yep. I appreciate I, these guys. Yeah, definitely like the, the guys that do it for a living. Oh, geez. Good to listen to them. And, you know, give them as much feedback as you can because they definitely will build your arrows accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, I, <laughs> I've i got a bad habit. I just grab whatever arrows. I don't care how long they are. I don't care what they weigh. <laughs> you just swing <laughs> them. And I just shoot them. And <laughs> I remember the first time I went to Alaska with one of my buddies. First time he, he was up there hunting with me. And I strung my bow real quick and we're going to shoot in the yard and he just kind of looked at me like what's wrong because you didn't even check your brace height or anything i say yeah that doesn't matter <laughs> and he's like he's like what i go yeah i don't worry about that it's it's fine and he go well what are those uh, all those arrows i go those are my arrows he goes well there's not two that are alike i said that doesn't matter either and he's like are you kidding me he couldn't understand because you need some money or something i said no, i'm good you know so <laughs> And he, he was ripping at me again this year, turkey hunting. He goes, like, shot a turkey, and he's like, of course, look at that quiver. Why wouldn't you? Because not one arrow matched in my whole quiver. And I was telling him, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I know that they shoot. I don't care yeah. if one is 29 and a half or one's 28 and a half or one's mm -hmm. 30. And one weighs 600 or one weighs 700. It just depends what I'm hunting. But yeah. and then, it, then they'll be right back ripping at me. Like, sometimes all my arrows will match in the quiver. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then you, and then you, depends, don't shoot, you don't shoot anything when all the arrows that those arrows that match up, you know, you're just like, oh yeah, I went out there full quiver of good arrows. Yeah. <laughs> oh geez, that's funny. I'll tell you what, like putting your time into making your own arrows. Oh man, yeah, it, it's it's a lot, you know. Yeah, you know, I made. A couple sets myself i just crested the first set that i ever did and i took them out in the backyard and i have an old lag black widow lag that i'll never get rid of but i mean it's like my go-to bow and shot in the backyard and i split two of them and you know i bought arrows from chopper chad uh addictive archery all all kinds of stuff because you know just wood arrows resonate to me i i just think they're awesome you know yeah just different chad people. makes great arrows oh man and his yeah, he, he actually fletched up a, that said i killed the uh caribou with those footed ones i was talking about oh yeah 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 and, and i've been fletching my own arrows and doing it, it was just kind of like crunch time and we were going to be at the michigan traditional bow hunter jamboree and i said chad i'm going to bring you half a dozen arrows i need them fletched i don't need them back right away uh, blah 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 so he met we met there and uh 
he showed me some feathers. He had, he had the one spliced feather. It was a barred feather spliced at the end white. Yeah. I said, and uh, I said, hey, when you fletch these arrows up, I grabbed the one shaft. I said, this shaft right here, I said, put that fletching on this arrow, and I'm going to kill something <laughs> in Alaska with it. He said, okay. So he kept it separate. So we were all sitting around the campfire all night and whatever, and get up the next day, and he comes walking over to me. He goes, here's your arrows. He fletched them that night and, no. and i ended up killing that caribou with that arrow <laughs> you no. know? but hey. chad's a good guy and oh, you know, yeah. I, I um i had joe callahan from true north make me some arrows too and you know really good good at building arrows as well there's a lot of good arrow builders out there you know oh, gosh the patience and the, the skill you have to have to yep it's it's more of a patience thing than anything yep. I, I crested my own arrows this year, and I was like, "Oh my god, this! <laughs> what did I get myself into here? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. painting them, and then you know, scratching them down, and doing this. So I'm like, it was cool, you know. Like, I, right. I, but like, at the same time, I'm like, holy cow! Like, and then I went out in the backyard and shot them out of my bow for the first time, and split two of them, and I was like, it literally hit me, not in the heart, but maybe a little bit lower you know <laughs> like, like you put all these things and i was like oh my gosh like i took him i broke him over my knee i was like this is terrible yeah. i'll never do this again like i put so much time and effort i mean they look good like this is this is one that i made you know i mean it's it's still yeah. gonna let yeah, on nice. whatever but like stained this bottom half did the top half raw you know burn the fletching at a uh, uh banana you know all that stuff and i literally walked outside and broke two of them and i was <laughs> god, god i felt like i got kicked so hard in the groin that it was like i don't know if i that, that happens you know make yeah. more arrows I mean, it's a good thing. They're consistent. So I think I did a good job. But at yeah. the same time, I was like, oh my gosh, man. Like, it just killed me. Even my wife, I come inside and I get done shooting. She's like, wow, you're only out there for like 20 minutes. Usually it's like a couple of hours. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she goes, oh, you broke one of your arrows. I was like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Put all yeah, that time and effort in making them look beautiful, and they just oh gosh, it's part of it. Yeah, it is. It is. It and is. you know, you kill something with it. Totally different story, but you know, it's yeah, the lead up and the whole right. Not, oh my gosh, especially those guys that have the patience to put the time in to do yeah. what they do with those things. I mean, I got a dozen from Chopper, Chad, and oh my gosh, they were. Like you couldn't tell one apart from the other. I mean, no, it's good. Just perfect, you know. Yep. And then and then the membrane slicing that he does and all that stuff. I was like, holy cow, this guy had to have so many hours involved with this thing, you know. It's yep. just, but that's just another avenue of what we enjoy that you know right. you can get to. But <laughs> to me, it's like I like to kill stuff, but I don't like to kill stuff when I'm breaking arrows on a, a <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of hurts your you know it hurts you in the pocket a little bit but yeah anyway well 
you know what, Jim? Let's. I would love to talk of, about some bear hunting. You got any good like uh, our last podcast we recorded? I think we had yeah we had Dave Darling on from Kalamazoo Bullworks, and he was telling us of a bear outfitter, and I think I think it was in Quebec that really sounded yeah. good. But um, you got any good bear stories? Or hey, if you're gonna go bear hunting, I'd recommend this. Or I'd love to hear some of that. Um. Yeah, you know, besides hunting white-tailed deer, black bear, I've always been kind of a passion of mine to bow hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because obviously we have them here in Michigan, um, and I live right on the Ontario border. Okay. So I mean, I could I I could literally be bear hunting. I could be in Ontario in 15 minutes, but I could be bear hunting in like five hours, you know, in a good bear territory. Mm-hmm. So I would always uh, bear hunt in Ontario. Um, I started out in the fall a lot, and then I started going in the spring because other fall hunts got in the way, and then they did away with it, so I kind of got away from it. But uh, I would say, you know, Ontario is a really good place to go, especially if you're like, or Quebec, or New mm-hmm. Brunswick, any of those areas. You know, any if you're in the eastern United States, any of the Canadian provinces seem to be really good. You know, or lately, my my funnest bear hunts. Um, I've been spotting stock in southeast Alaska. I'm Prince of Wales. Is that, is that Homer Ocean? No, no, okay. that's um, nope, that's up on. That's a whole different deal. That's a boat based hunt one. When yeah. I go to Prince of Wales, I'm in southeast Alaska. Um, okay. And I've been going in the fall and spotting stocking on the salmon streams. Gotcha. Oh. Yeah. So and and Homer Ocean is the same thing. It's boat based, and they're and they're. You're still going and you're um, running a skiff into shore mm-hmm. and you're hunting along the salmon streams. It's, it's the same deal. It's just okay. not in that part of Alaska. I'm in an extreme southeast Alaska when I'm doing this. Off the okay. off the coast of British Columbia. Gotcha. So you're on a boat also then? Nope. No, nope. you're not These on a all, boat. Yeah, everything's DIY. Um, we will um, either run a cabin. Uh, one time we stayed at a um, guy runs like an outfitting bit, not outfitting business. He runs like fish, a fishing business. And he has ca- uh, cabins and stuff. We rented a cabin from him and he supplied meals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, when we went two years ago, we uh, rented our own vehicle on the mainland, took it across on the ferry. Um, I found an Airbnb in one town. We did our own grocery shopping. That way we weren't obligated and just did our own thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, you just take off and you find, uh, just, you know, get there early, do a lot of scouting, find out where the good salmon runs are, um, and just start hunting the rivers, you know, spotting nah. stock, sneaking up on them. So the reason I'm I'm kind of wanted to talk about this is I, I would love to go to Alaska, but I, I just found out a kid that went to high school with my son, he's uh, working on a boat. And they do bear hunts, and their black bear hunt is 7,500. And I'm just thinking, man. I mean, I'm a house painter. I'm not a, you know, I'm yeah. not a congressman or a senator or whatever. Right. But, so what you're saying then, Jim? This is kind of like you said, a DIY kind of thing. I always do all my hunts DIY. Okay. I've only, I've only ever had to use a guide for a doll sheep hunt because that mm-hmm. was required by law. Yeah. Um, and then one other time for, um, the, you know, the grizzly bear over my shoulder. But other than that, I'm always DIY. Uh, even my mountain lion hunt this year, um, I just 
you know, I was friends with the guys that had the dog. So, I mean, mm. if you want to call that guided, so be it. But anyway, but I always do it DIY and I try to do everything on a budget. I yeah. look for, you know, deals on airfare, um, deals just right on down the line, try to save money, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's the and biggest yeah. thing. They're yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, you just got to well, plan. That's the whole thing. Because um, it's, like you said, 7500 for a boat-based hunt. That it is a lot of money, uh-huh. you know. To me, it is because I don't make I don't make a ton of money either. Yeah. So that's why I've always done DIY hunts, you know. Um, but when you're boat based, you're fishing. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. You, that's including your lodging. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Homer Ocean deal. If you go with Homer Ocean, I mean, you're eating like a king every day. Yeah. Not saying the yeah. other one isn't that where you're, but um, you're fishing. Um, you got a place to come in, dry out your gear. You got great lodging. You're mobile. You can cover a lot, you know. So yeah, trade off, you know. Mm-hmm. So Jim, let me uh, let me at, at outlet off of this conversation a little bit. Um, so you just growing up in Michigan and shooting whitetails and turkeys and things that were in your area. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we all notice a trend through traditional bow hunting. You know. We have our forefathers like Fred Bear, you know, all these guys that have killed things all over the world, you know, just just outlets of, you know, different hunts that you can think of in your head. And once you are a traditional bow hunter, you start looking into those archives of things and you see all these people shoot animals all over the place. And, you know, I think that a traditional bow hunter in in general as opposed to say and i'm not knocking compounds or anything like that but you know they they're okay with just going out in their woods in ohio and shooting a big buck and saying okay i killed that and th- then their season's over traditional bow hunters i feel like have a urge to shoot more animals different animals different species all these things that lead up to yeah the, they maybe being in the same realm of like a Fred Bear or this or that or whatever, you know. I mean, just like you, you know, you, you've gone all over the place. What do you think drives a traditional bow hunter to be in that situation? And then also maybe talk a little bit about the first time you ever went out of state to go try to pursue a different animal. Well, I think getting back to the drive goes back to when I was a kid and back to the Fred bear stuff. Yeah. And reading the adventure stuff by Russell Annabelle in Alaska. And, um, I don't know. I just, I've always been, since I've been a kid and I was fortunate to grow up, like I said, on a farm, but where I grew up behind our farm was a track of woods that runs for like three and a half miles one way and about three miles the other way. So it's a pretty good chunk of woods. Yeah. Good and I would just take off and go into wood. Like I would I wouldn't care. So that was one part like leading I it then that wasn't big enough, you know. It's, yeah. it's always a standing joke and my wife I didn't like look I'll say, Well that's only yeah, that's only like four hundred acres or something. She goes, well, How much land is enough? I go, Well, it's never enough. Yeah, never. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no way. But uh, so I, I just think that that was what fueled my passion was reading a lot of that stuff. So then obviously after shooting a few deer and stuff like that, um, 
the next step for me was maybe to go pursue black bears because we get at the time when I was younger, you could buy tags over the counter here in Michigan. Gotcha. Just over the counter black bear tags. So I could just go bear hunting. I could go bear hunting every year. Yeah. Then when I went to the lottery system, um, I drew the first couple of years, but then I started going to Ontario, you know. So that was my thing to go to Ontario and, you know, that's a whole nother wilderness, you know, but even yeah. though I tend to the upper peninsula a lot. So, um, yeah. and then those bear hunts in Ontario, um, led to moose hunts, solo moose hunts in Ontario, you know, so it just kept building and building, but I always, um, always had the desire since I was a kid to go to Alaska and I, and I did, you know, right when I was pretty young, actually, nice. so and I kept going and kept going. And when Brian and I go this, uh, Brian and I go this September. It'll be my 31st trip to Alaska. Oh, no way. Yeah. So when did you go to Alaska the first time? How old were you? 20, 28 or 29. Wow. So your first out-of-state hunt, how old were you? 22, maybe. What's Ontario? Okay. Yep, Ontario black bear hunting. Black bear. Um, you know, and it was like, <laughs> I still remember going. My dad went with me and two of my buddies, and I was like, where am I going to come up with $450 to pay this guy to go on this bear? Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, yeah. And I did. I hunted Ontario a lot, especially for bears. I ended up uh, becoming friends um, with a bunch of people on the one Indian reservation up there. And for years, I could um, hunt on their land in the springtime. Mm-hmm. And I would go up this river that ran through the reservation and through their lands. And they would um, let me park at their homes. And I'd get, take, take my boat, go up these rivers and, and bear hunt. So, and then, uh, like I say, then it just led to the moose hunting up there and just doing hunts everywhere I could. And I put in for a lot of out-of-state tags. and Yeah. So. And I... I want to do Alaska so bad, but I I just, yeah, I want to do it. I kind of like the idea of the DIY. It's a little overwhelming. Um, if you're going to do a DIY, let's say black bear hunt in Alaska like you've done, Jim, what's your time frame in terms of how long would you uh, plan a trip for? I mean, well, I guess like 10 days. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would plan the minimal of like, say, seven days in the field. You need a couple of days coming and going just because of weather, or, mm-hmm. um, getting last minute gear items. So you can always, it just depends where you're doing it too. If you're flying in, you're gonna, you gotta figure weather delays. Yeah. I mean, um, I think there were, there was a span in the late 90s, mid 90s through late 90s. I never, ever came home made my flight home ever really not even close holy cow (laughs) i mean off like three four days no way weather delays to get out of the bush yeah it was every year every year i would just get delayed you know so it's alaska but uh like going back like there's places in say the southeast alaska like where we go you don't have to worry about weather delays because if you're on Prince of Wales Island, if you draw the tag there, you, you're driving around the island and looking for spots to hunt. You're mm. taking the ferry back and forth to the mainland, or you can fly, but either way. 
So you don't, you don't have to worry about delays, you know, Yeah. that way. But if you're getting flown in in the mainland Alaska or somewhere, even in Southeast, if you're getting flown in, you're, you're at the mercy of the weather. Yeah. You yeah. know, so you got to prepare for that. So yeah. I would definitely say a minimum of like, say, 70 days in the field. Yeah. You know, me personally. So, I mean, honestly, if you're going to do it, just go for the uh, take two weeks. Two yeah. Weeks. The yeah. first time I went to Alaska, I took, I take three weeks off work or a month off work. Anyway, I took all my vacation time for the whole year at once. <laughs> and I just actually went up there and I goofed off for like two and a half weeks before I hunted. Yeah. Just went all around the state, did stuff and traveled all around. And then I went hunting, you know. And um, so, wow. but South, uh, a bear hunt is um, in Alaska. DIY is very reasonable if you you know okay. do some research and stuff like that and yeah the hardest thing like southeast Alaska is drawing a tag on Prince of Wales that would be you know okay. it's a lottery system so you got to put in an advance for that uh, I know on the Kenai Peninsula there's a lot of good areas you can hike into that are full of black bears but you got to mm. do your research on that that's the deal you could fly into Anchorage or down to Homer and rent a vehicle and just kind of do some camping and, you know, yeah. you can, another thing with that is talk to uh, game biologists for those units. Yeah. And they can point in the right direction or uh, Compton members, PBS members. Yeah. That absolutely. have done the hunts, you know, they can get you lined out in the right direction. Definitely. Or if you're worried about doing DIY from the start, like, I mean, honestly, a great option to just get your feet wet, go to Alaska is do something like with Homer Ocean. On their boat base, you know, black yeah. bear hunt. That's you can't beat it, honestly. I mean, you're yeah. getting a fishing trip, bear hunt, lodging, your meals, everything, and it's very. If you break it down, it's it's very cost effective. Yeah. You know? Now and we've all, we've also heard that you actually gain weight on that hunt. I would say yes. <laughs> Is that true or? <laughs> yeah, boat a lot. <laughs> Brian, Brian, yeah, Brian, come off of it, hungry. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, he said he gained about 20 pounds on that hunt. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I don't shoot a black bear or anything, I, you know, at least I'm full when I come home. That, that's right? Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, it's, and it's good. You know, I mean, that's a great hunt. But like I say, then getting back to the one on Prince of Wales Island, I just, I don't want any constraints with about anything. And not that yeah. I don't like hunting with people. Yeah, it's just mm -hmm. me. Yeah. But I learned years ago that, if I'm planning a hunt, I don't need you coming up to me at the last minute and saying, well, I can't get the time off work or this. Is. So right. I just start doing everything on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can't rely on other people because you don't know what their schedule is going to yeah. work, what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Yep. You know, and Brian tells the story about the first time him and Kevin Dill hunted together. And uh, when they flew out and the pilot goes, are you guys still talking to each other? He goes, yeah, why wouldn't we? And he's like. Well, so many guys go hunting together with their friends when they come out and they can't stand each other. And that that's so very true. You hear that all the time, you know. So you gotta choose yeah. a good yeah. You know, like when I, Brian and I hunt together, it's it's a given that if he shoots an animal, okay, well I'm done hunting. Until yeah. he gets an animal taken care of. I don't care. I'm happy as can be that he got an animal and he's yeah. the same way with me. He yeah. knows he's done. We do what we have to do. We take care of each other's animals, yeah. we help each other out. We're happy the other person got something. There's yeah. no jealousy involved because I don't no. care if I get anything or not. I'm there for the adventure part of it. Right. 
And yeah. if you can't hunt with someone that's like that on the same, I mean, I've had some bad experiences taking friends to Alaska and get upset because you've shot something and now, well, all right. If the shoe was on the other foot and you shot something, I'm going to help you. So, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. It, you know. Oh, I, I've been there. Yeah. yeah. I, we went, I'm, the first out of state hunt I went on, it was in South Dakota and I shot a mule deer buck with a traditional bow. And uh, the guy that I went with, you know, it was like we were way off the beaten path. I mean, we were probably, I don't know, 10 miles, you know, and it, and it was just glass and, you know, just getting out to where I thought I'd get a good opportunity because he was shooting a compound and I'm shooting a traditional bow. And I felt like this was the perfect opportunity for me. So even then, you know, getting down there, shooting that deer and watching him run off and die, he like sighed when I called him and told him I killed something. <laughs> He's because I was pushing him to get further and further out, you know, like mm -hmm. it, not that he didn't want to, but physically, you know, it just kind of wears on you, you know, it's just right. You do that every day and you don't see anything and, you know, whatever. But to me, it was like, I just got to get further, 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 get out there, you know, figure out where these animals are coming from. And I shot that buck and he's just like. Oh, it was a nice try. He sees all the deer run off the side of this tule or whatever they call it out in South Dakota. Yeah. But butte, but butte, I don't know. But <laughs> whatever. You know, and uh yeah, I was like, I seen him die. You know, he's dead. And he's like, Oh my gosh. Like, we're like ten miles out. And I'm like, Oh, we gotta start packing, you know. Yeah. <sighs> you know, it's like yeah. a big sigh, and I'm like don't rain on my parade you know yeah like, this right i'll pack it all out i don't care yeah. i don't care if it takes me till the next day this is right. exactly what i came here for it's this is the exact moment of what i've experienced or what i hope to experience on being an out-of-state hunt right. you know, like just enduring all that was monumental to me you know it it wasn't you know, and he's just like, oh, jeez. Two packs, and he's like, ah. Oh, yeah, you man. can't have that. Yeah, no. yeah. Yeah, Brian and I don't have that issue. And uh, my buddy Dan, who I go to Southeast Alaska with, and we and we turkey hunt and do other, you know, stuff. He's the same way. He's just as happy if I get somewhere. I, if he gets, that's yeah. what it's about. But yeah, you don't have that problem if you hunt alone. <laughs> yeah, no. Exactly. <laughs> I think it, it, if I go out to South Dakota ever again, I'll just do it by myself. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to deal with, you know, anybody having anything to say with where I kill something or not, or it's all on yep. me, you know, and it's just I'll like, go, I'll go with you, Will. You can be my guide since you've been there. Let's yeah. go. I will. There you go. Definitely. <laughs> I think I figured it out at this point. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not, but yeah, I, it, regardless, I mean that, that whole, aspect of packing that thing out is more of the venture to me and you know it almost leads just right into killing that animal and the the heat of the moment when you do you know it's it's huge you know it's well it was a deer it wasn't a moose well right yeah but you know, yeah. so you bone it out and you pack it out it's one yeah, trip, exactly you know? exactly yeah <laughs> so. you, you got like two two or three maybe backpacks full of going back to the truck you know it yeah. and right. to me that that is 
the beauty of the whole thing. Like I would just go and hunt with you, Jim, and watch you shoot an, a, a moose, and I'd pack oh. it just because I <laughs> I love that. Part. You know, I, I yep. just I, no, do. I know. Yeah, it, it, there's certain people that not everyone's wired that way. Exactly. Yeah. And, no. And got to find those people to go to places like you've been to be able to enjoy that, you know, and it's yeah. hard to find those kind of people sometimes. Well, because, I know? mean, you get a moose down on the ground, it's a lot. Of, it's nine trips. Oh, I couldn't imagine. Oh, it's nine trips. And yeah. even um, even a Canadian moose is eight, nine trips. I mean, there's just no getting around it. It's just yeah. that much work. Yeah. So now, you got to really think about where you're going to put that animal down if you're going to. Yeah. You're on, mm-hmm. you gotta, you ain't going to be ten miles, you know. Deer. I yeah. shot a blacktail way up on the side of the mountain in southeast Alaska. And my buddy Dan was with me. He's like, "Now what are we going to do?" I go, "We're boning it out right here. We're taking the whole thing with us." And yeah. I basically, you know, he he'd never seen it done before. He goes, "Wow." He goes, "This is so easy." Yeah. I go, exactly. Way Deer, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, you do a moose, you're doing four, five, six, seven, eight trips. It doesn't yeah, matter. It's nine trips. There's no getting yeah. around. It's nine trips. Nine trips. Now, okay. is, is that still doable, Jim, for an average guy, the DIY moose hunting in terms of cost? Or has that gotten pretty, you know, well, the flights and... The flights and everything. Yeah, it's gone up. I mean, it, it's not... Yeah. Um, I didn't mean to put you on a spot, but no, just, you don't put me on the spot. But I guess it just depends on. There, there are a lot of um, charter services in Alaska that will drop hunters off to do DIY hunts, and they charge a flat rate. Um, okay, so then there's other ways about going about it. They charge by the hour. Okay, so uh, sometimes you got to look at it and say, okay, well, so you're picking a spot, or they got a spot in it in mind. Sometimes it's cheaper to do it by the hour, and then other times it's cheaper to do it by the flat rate, you know. Then they charge, like, um, the pilot that we use, um, he'll, he charges us. If we kill an animal, then it's an additional fee to fly it out. Gotcha. You know, and some people yeah. just have a flat rate. So um, it just depends what, you know, you consider reasonable. It's still way cheaper than a guided hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, you're still going to have maybe five to seven thousand into it yeah all said and done with airfare and everything else you know sure yeah um yeah so I, it's one of those deals you know you gotta like i say i i've always been you know diy and i just kind of plan accordingly to try to save my money and make it happen you know yeah mm-hmm. um but uh two years ago we went to prince of wales island and we, i just keep watching the airfare watching the airfare and all of a sudden the one day it was some crazy sale, and we got the airfare for under three hundred dollars. Oh, geez, um, really? You know, so it was like, okay, so we got the airfare. We, you know, it was just one of them deals. But, um, and wow. then I caught a sale for this year for me and Brian to go, and we got it for under five hundred bucks to go to Fairbanks. But for us to go fishing in a couple weeks, it's like twelve hundred dollars. Oh, geez. So you, I mean, it's all, it, it just varies, you know, you just got to yeah. watch for deals. So, um, yeah. but, you know, get back to originally when you were saying about DIY and if it's affordable, if I was going to do a DIY in Alaska, I would either go for black bear. It used to be caribou, but it's, it's harder and harder to get into caribou areas now. Yeah. Um, the limit limiting the tags, the herds have moved. The migration patterns are different. 
I've been hearing some good things about the Mulchatna herd starting to come back. I was fortunate enough to hunt that Mulchatna herd in the heyday. And it'd be like uh, something you see on National Geographic, just hundreds and hundreds of animals every day. You know, uh, and you could shoot two, and it was, it was just crazy. Oh, you know? you did so, two back in those days? What's that? You could shoot two caribou back in those days? Yeah. Residents oh, could shoot four. So I oh. go up my buddies that were residents, and they don't care about They're shooting four caribou. They want the meat. Yeah, right. Exactly. So they don't care about the rack or anything. Yeah. That. yeah. It was fun, care. you know. They, you know. Yeah. So. Holy cow. I heard that's like the uh, bow hunter's uh, animal to shoot, you know, like the bow hunter's choice to yeah. get out. Caribou are just, caribou are just magnificent animals, you know. Yeah. Um, three years ago when Brian and I were up there moose hunting, I don't know, five or six days into the hunt, I um, I seen something flash white way up on the side of the mountain about two miles distance. And I thought, wow, is that a moose way up at the peak of that mountain in the timber? I thought, no, I must have just seen something, maybe a hawk or whatever. And then I, uh, maybe an hour and a half or so later when I was heading back to camp, I looked down into the valley and... Um, where I just put a stalk on a moose, I looked down the valley, I see something moving down there. And at first I thought it was a grizzly bear moving through the willows. Then I look and it was like, I grabbed my binoculars. I looked down the side of the mountain in the valley. It's a caribou walking. I was like, it kind of shocked me because the pilot um, flies the area all the time. He said, all oh, the caribou had migrated through there like five, six weeks before. And they, they, they migrate from the area that we hunt. They're migrating to the east into Canada. You know, mm. so, yeah. you know, so I thought, wow, this must be a, a scraggler, you know. So mm-hmm. I kind of just kept paralleling it, and it was a mile or so off, and it, it just paralleled it on the side of the mountain and kind of turned and came, and I kind of knew where some trails came up through the spruce. And I kind of figured, well, I'll position myself because I lost sight of it, and I just kind of positioned myself, figuring it could come right or left of me. And I waited about 15 minutes or so, and all of a sudden I seen the rack coming up the side of the mountain through the spruce. and he was like 15, 18 yards to my left and oh, never okay. there, you know. But wow. anyway, my point is, went back to camp and Brian's like, we always try to meet around noon for lunch back in camp when we're moose on, just to compare notes or whatever, split firewood, get firewood. Um, he's like, where were you? I said, I lost the arrow. He's like, where'd you mean you lost an arrow? I go, yeah, caribou <laughs> ran away with it. He's like, what? Caribou? No way. So it was a joke. So we went back and the caribou didn't run fire. But anyway, um. The next day, I seen a bunch more caribou, so did Brian. Then all of a sudden, it was like someone flipped a switch, and the caribou were coming back. Mm. And there was just thousands of caribou on the mountainsides yeah. and in the valley, and it was just oh, insane. Boy. It was magnificent. And then, like, two days later, they were gone. Oh, you wow. Know? So, But it was just great. You know, Brian had multiple opportunities to shoot caribou and he was just waiting for an absolute giant to put his moose tag on my moose hunt was done when i shot the caribou but i was more than happy to do that you know yeah 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 because you, you can shoot a from what brian was telling us in the last podcast we did uh you can shoot a caribou or a moose right like one we, of the well you, in alaska what it is so uh let's just say you buy your archer or uh, your your you buy your hunting license, but you buy tags for animals. So yeah. if you buy a moose tag, it's $800. And I think a caribou tag is 450 or something like that. 
um, or a black bear is 450, a caribou is 500. I forget what it is, but anyway, you can shoot a lesser animal. Oh, going down. Put your tag on. So that's, I put my moose locking tag on the caribou. Gotcha. So I was done. Like I could put it on a black bear too, for that matter. Oh, I got you. You know what I mean? So it works like that, but you can't go from a, uh, a $400 tag up to an $800 speed. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Right. Okay. So so once I did that, I was over because the pilot, like I say, flies our area a lot, and he'll know whether the caribou have migrated through or not. And if he knows that they're on their way, maybe, possibly, <coughs> then we would buy a caribou tag. But that mm. year, he said, no, they migrated through weeks ago. You're never going to see a caribou. Well, oh. that's where we're kind of kicking ourselves for the extra money. We wish we would have had a caribou tag, you know? Yeah. So, but it, 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 I, no complaints, you know, I was more than yeah. Happy, so. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. It's more the well, experience than it is with anything, but yeah. yeah. Well, we definitely need to check into this Prince of Wales black bear thing. Yeah. I I I want to I want to get something on the books for for sure 2025, but you said Prince of Wales is a draw, right? Uh Jim. Yeah, it's a draw. You put in I it starts sometime I don't know if it's November 1st, but I know it runs through December 15th. And you put in either for the fall hunt or the spring hunt. Um, the fall hunt, there's usually only between 20 and 30 tags. It's considered like a depredation hunt. They want you to try to target the big males because mm. there's you can't salvage the meat. But what you can salvage the meat on a, that's edible at that time of year in Prince of Wales Island is if you were lucky to catch one way up in the alpine on the blueberries that has them came down and started eating salmon. Um, you, they're just not palatable. Yeah. It's just, you just can't. I mean, they're full of worms. Yeah. So what no. you're doing is... It's, it, you're trying to help them um, save the deer herd and okay. basically save other bears because yeah. those males will kill those cubs, you know. So yeah. it's considered like a depredation out versus in the spring, there's a lot more tags and, okay. and the bears are, you know, really good eating. So, okay. So well, you got to decide what you want, is what I'm getting at. Well, the, I trade-off love is, the trade-off is in the spring, you can, uh, you're just bear hunting. In the yeah. fall, we also buy deer tags so we can deer hunt. Oh, gotcha. Oh. So that's the trade-off. So I just love bear meat. I mean, I've only killed one bear, and I thought the meat was fantastic. Yeah, and so do I. You know, so I, the first time I went up there, and I shot a really, really good bear the first time. Uh, and it was kind of like, man, I want to take this meat. I feel weird doing it. And the blood biologist there was like, listen, what don't you get? You cannot eat this. And they did it. They smell terrible. And when you're work, when you're skinning them out, you can just their bodies are filled with worms. You know. Uh, huh. Yeah. What's that called, Jim? It's like uh, what do they call that? Uh, I was that, trying to. Trichinosis. Trichinosis. Yeah, that's yeah. what. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God. Yeah. But the salmon are full of worms, and the bears are eating the salmon, and then what? they they have huge tapeworms. If you watch that video. You guys ever see that video of me shooting that bear up there? Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. If you if you watch that video back, right as I shoot, as I, that bear I shoot, and it turns, and it's going across the river and up the bank. Yep. Watch it real close. There is like an eight foot tapeworm coming out of that bear because oh, it's dying. No way. Yeah. So if you watch that video, again, <laughs> you'll see it. Is that the uh, one real close to you? You shot him like eight yards or something like that. Three three yards. Three yards. Oh my! Tell, 
tell us that story, Jim. Now I'm on the edge of my seat here. <laughs> uh, it's an it's an awesome story too, especially the way it died. <laughs> I I heard this in person, and I was like, this guy is a legend. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. But oh, come on, Jim. Come on. I uh, I end up. My buddy that I was talking about, my friend Dan, had been up there the year before he drew a tag. Um, he didn't kill a bear, but he was in bears nonstop. And he goes, he just goes, I guess I got too picky. And time ran out. So I said, well, I'm going to do that hunt because I go, I just like the idea of spotting and stalking them. You know, mm-hmm. I like getting close to them on the ground, not in a tree stand. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I like doing that too, but I wanted to spot and stalk one with the bow. So anyway, put it for the tag. I drew the tag and, um, He's, he says, well, I want to go up there and film with you. He said, I'll just buy a deer tag. And I said, you sure? He's like, yeah, I don't mind, because otherwise I'm going solo. So I said, okay, because I'll film your hunt. So he agreed to do that. We set it up, and we went. And um, we got up there and got situated. And the night before season opened, we went and scouted this one river where he had seen bears the previous year. And when we got to the spot, we could look up the river. Immediately, I looked up the river, and I seen this big bear just step out, and he kind of just looked at us, and he turned to walk back in the timber. I go, that's a big bear. He's like, you ain't kidding. I said, we're coming back here tomorrow, hunt. I said, I don't need to see anything else. That was a good bear. So we seen a couple other bears. We stayed there for until it got really dark for the rest of the evening. We seen a couple of smaller bears. That big one never came back out. But obviously, he's fishing that river. You know, There were salmon in it. Bears were crisscrossing it. I'll uh, probably seen three or four bears that first night, I think, just scouting. But that night, we went back to where we had rented the cabin. And the guy that owns these cabins is originally from Michigan, him and his wife. And we were talking, and he's like, you got your license and everything all set? And I said, yeah, I went and bought my license and this, this, this. He just happened to mention to me, well, let me see it. And I thought, all right, here. Because, yeah, you got the wrong bear license. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, that's a general bear license. You need one for this island. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, that's a general bear license. You have to have the Prince of Wales one. Where's your three by five card that you got sent in the mail that you need to get your license? I said, I never got no three by five card in the mail. Oh, He's boy. like, what? Because you have to have that. How do you know you draw the, drew the tag? I said, they sent me an email, you know? Yeah. He's like, Jim, without that card, you didn't draw. I said, I have the email, but I don't have it with me, but I have the email. I have no way of getting it up there in Alaska. So anyway, he goes, well, let me make a phone call. He called a buddy is in Ketchikan, who's a fishing game officer. He punched in the system. He's like, yeah, he drew the tag. Um, And he goes, let me talk to him. So I told him, he goes, you never got it? I go, no, we went back and forth. He goes, well, I got your address here. You you live in, at one in St. Clair, Michigan, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what's one? Because well, that's what we have is your address. I go, yeah, that's, no, I never got the three by five card. It's not my address. <laughs> that's where the error was. Oh. So he said, you're all set. He said, just drive down. Don't hunt in the morning. Drive down to Craig, which is a town that's about an hour and a half south of where we were staying. Go to the fishing game office there. I'll fire them off an email. Just tell them I sent it to them. They'll square you away, give you your paperwork. You just can't hunt. Don't hunt tomorrow morning. All right, no problem. Go back to where you bought the other license, have them reimburse your money. Okay, so I did that. Drive down there that morning. 
fishing game opens at eight o'clock, walk up to the door, sign out the door, off sick. Oh, no way. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh boy. <laughs> My buddy's like, now what are we going to do? I said, well, <laughs> state police are right next door. They're fishing wildlife officers in Alaska. I'm yeah. going to go talk to them. So we walked over there. I tell the lady what's going on. One officer comes out. He's like, uh, what's going on? I told him. He's like, come in the back with me. He opened up the email, took care of everything, squared me away, and away we went, you know. So uh, just great guys. The Alaska State Troopers and the fishing game guys are just really good guys for the most part. I mean, I've, like I say, this guy's been over backwards for me. So anyway, um, even this year they did. And that's another story, but. Uh, or last year but anyhow they um so we went back and we went right back to that river and we we started hunting it and we hunted it we got there probably midday and we hunted it throughout the day and it as it got to maybe two and a half three hours before dark i said we had gotten part way down this river and it was probably the river where we were hunting was maybe only a mile from the ocean mm. i said let's go back to where that big one came out by that sandbar so there was that gravel bar in the middle of the river, just some stunted trees growing on it. It wasn't very big, but I said, let's go back there because a lot of bears seemed to be fishing in that area last night. So we worked our way back. We started running into bears then that were coming out for the evening to fish, you know. Mm. Um, so we were filming a few here and there and uh, nothing that I wanted to shoot. And then I said, let's go into that gravel bar and set up at the end of that bar and then we'll have bears all around us. So we did that. So we weren't there maybe 10 minutes now we hadn't seen other bears we weren't there mm -hmm. 10 or 15 minutes and i look up into the timber and he's standing behind me and i said there he is you know kind of like and he's like i see him so this bear comes down the bank and he's like up in the timber 60 40 50 yards in front of us and he comes down through he comes to the edge of the river and he's right in front of us at like 25 yards has no idea we're there. And um, he's just like looking around at the salmon splashing up and down the river. And he gets right to the edge and he kind of, he's on a log, a dead log that's going into the water on an angle. And he walks out on that and he's kind of looking around. He turns and walks back and there's another big giant dead tree that paralleled the river. And he mm. got up on that and he's like 20 yards broadside. Oh, and he kind of goes this, I'm like, there, there was a little bit of weeds growing up. Yeah. And I go, Susie clears those weeds, and I'm getting ready to start to draw. And as soon as he got his vitals over those weeds, um, I heard a, like a little snap behind me. Well, it was my friend Dan kind of just moved his foot. Now, these fish are splashing. The, the, the river's <laughs> noisy. Um, you don't think that bear could hear that, but as soon as that little snap, because he was trying to film over my shoulder, that bear stopped and looked at us. But when he stopped and looked at us, his vitals were covered. Uh, so then he just kind of took a step and he stepped off the log and went off the back side. And I looked back at my buddy and shook his head. And after, like, he stepped, then he stopped the video right then. The bear kind of went up and started going up river. And he was like, What happened? I go, You moved your feet. He goes, What? I go, You moved your feet and it snapped a twig or something under your feet. He couldn't hear it because his ears were plugged from the flight the day before. Yeah. Said, no, that bear heard that. And I can't hear out of my left ear, but I heard that. You know, and he's like, I said, he'll be, he's not, he doesn't know what's going on. So the bears up there are kind of acclimated to all the fishermen up and down the rivers. Mm. So they have a, a little bit higher tolerance of the people being around or say, yeah. smelling people. 
So the bear comes out in the river and he's fishing around by us. He'd catch a salmon and he'd go up on one bank and he'd go on another bank. And one time he, he would be within 10, 15 feet of us, but I couldn't get a shot in him because of the brush. You know, uh. he'd be standing there waiting to catch fish and he'd turn and go the other way. And one, one time he came behind, like the river behind us between the bank and the gravel bar was probably 10 feet wide. He was standing <laughs> in there and my buddy's right. He was literally like, three, four feet behind my buddy, but we couldn't move. And I couldn't turn around to shoot. It was just, you know, and then he, then he would disappear after he catch a salmon. Meanwhile, there's other bears coming around. And so, so it's finally, wind, uh, wind kind of out the window at this point. Like, what's they, that? Is, is the wind kind of out the window at this point? Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, there's, yeah, huge... because honestly, the no seams up there in the white socks, you know, like black flies are so bad that we had oh. taken these, yeah i got a deer in the backyard anyway um we have a, we have uh i took some of those deep woods off wipes and i'd wipe my hands and like your face and stuff because they're just going to wear you out if you don't oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and um so this bear circles around us multiple times for over an hour this is going on or longer and he finally goes up into the timber and he's gone for a long time i didn't think he's coming back and all of a sudden he comes back down and he's on the end of this gravel bar about 30 yards from me and he catches a salmon and he's he's down at the end of the gravel bar and he's stripping it. You know how they grab them, they start stripping the flesh yeah. off of them. And just kind of like, not loud, but like just in a normal voice, I said, oh, come on, you big bugger, just drop that salmon and walk right down the edge of this this gravel bar. And he kind of picked his head up, looked around, dropped that salmon, and here he came. No way. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is perfect. so i I look back i go he's coming he's coming you know so he starts filming and and the bear was close a couple other times i want to back up that i could have maybe got shots and he's like what are you waiting for i "I want that bear close i want him right on top of us he's like oh okay he didn't know what i meant yeah i said he's coming so the bear's coming down the edge of the gravel bar and i know he's going to be like three to five yards Oh, me. Yeah. So he's just slightly below me. And as he gets to my right, about four or five yards, he kind of starts to turn to his left, which he's going to come up the bank, which we're only like a foot and a half higher than him, two foot higher. He's going to just walk right into me. Well, now I'm kind of in a bad situation because now I can't shoot him. Yeah. Unless I mean, shooting him right on top of me. But he kind of like takes a little bit of a step and he just keeps on his way. And I just, and I know I got to shoot. It broke my concentration for a minute, so I got to hurry up and snap shoot, which I did right behind the shoulder. And uh, he just blows out of there and goes across the river. And as he starts to go up the bank, um, I uh, I grabbed another arrow out of the quiver, and I was going to try to get a second shot, but he got up into the timber. And I just kind of looked back at my buddy that was filming. I just kind of nodded my head, and he just was kind of like, look, give me like this death stare. Yeah. He kind of looked at me and yeah. um, I put the arrow back in the quiver. Then he stopped the filming and I was kind of like listening for, you know, trying to hear a death moan or something. Yeah. And right. Replaying the shot in my head. I'm like, man, was that a good shot? Why did the arrow only go so far in? It didn't look like it got good penetration. Did I not do this right? Well, you know, a million things going through your mind, right? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Oh, yeah. it's a big bear. It's that close. Um, I just didn't know what happened, you know, so. While I'm thinking that, I kind of turn back and look at him. 
and um, he's shaking uncontrollably. Like, you know, wow. like, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I go, what's wrong with you? He goes, have you lost your freaking mind? He's like, I thought we were going to get killed. He goes, I didn't know you want one that close. I go, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how I like it. I want him right on top. Yeah. You know? the and uh, I said, that video better not be shaky. He goes, I wasn't shaking until after, you know. So then we started talking about the shot. And I said, man, I don't know about the shot. It looked like the arrow was only in him a little ways. He goes, it was perfect. He goes, the arrow went in, it hit the other shoulder and broke. It was mm-hmm. coming out as he, he's seen it better than I did. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So he could see it. And then the bear goes across the river, up the bank, and then uh, white, well, you know, it's getting towards evening. Okay. Now, what do you do? Do you yeah. go after him? It's going to be dark in like 10, 15 minutes. And that's a rainforest. And I mean, it gets jet black. You can't see anything. Do we go after him? Do we wait a morning? You know, a million things going. Friends of ours have been up there. Oh, I made a perfect shot on a bear. We could never find him because it's so many roots and upturned logs. And it, it's just incredible how it's like matchsticks everywhere. That's the only way I can describe it with moss growing on them. And they're all suspended four or five feet off the ground or three feet. So you can, a bear could go anywhere. Yeah. So we made the decision, let's wait till morning. Because I kept going, I don't know, I don't know about the shot. And he kept reassuring me, Jim, you made a great shot. Don't worry. It was tight behind the shoulder. I said, I know, but it just, he goes, I'm telling you. So we backed out. We said, we'll come back in the morning. It's not going to rain. So we did that. Went back in the morning, and the bear didn't even go 60 yards. And it was. It was right behind the shoulder, oh. just like that, yeah. you know. Mm. And, uh, That's a short but, recovery for a bear, from what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Birds shoot. Yeah, heck I, yeah. Uh, what, 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 where did he die, though? I think I heard this, like, big, you know, he, like, oh, on top of a stump or... No, that was the one from last year. That was a different Oh, bear. last year. Okay. Yeah. This gotcha. one just died, like, he died, like, um, going down into one of those little holes. He was right on the edge of it. Yeah. You know, we found, right away, we found the back half of the arrow, um, and the blood was way up the arrow, almost to the fleshing. So the arrow did go deeper than we realized at first, yeah. you know. And it did. It broke off. It went into the opposite shoulder and broke off. And it was the broken half coming out as he ran, you know. But but it was a really, really, really good pair. I was really happy, you know. How big was he, Jim? Um, I don't know, like, weight-wise. Yeah. I mean, I've shot some Michigan bears and Ontario bears that are 300-plus, and this one's a lot bigger than that. Wow. I know he's, he was probably pushing the 400 all day long, you know, Man. but he's just good. He, he's a good bear. And then, yeah, so that was that was pretty cool to get one that close. Yeah. Oh, um, and then yeah. last year was the one that was on the stump. Dan shot a nice bear, too, and he shot his pretty close last year. Um, and then uh, I shot that one on a different river, and uh, I shot that one at about, I don't know, 10 yards. Okay. Spot and stalk. So and that one went about 60, 50, 60 yards. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, but it's fun. It's exciting because you get multiple stalks in Southeast Alaska. That's. Yeah. On the salmon streams anyway. That's why I like it, you know. Yeah. You get some opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of bears. Yeah. I mean, last year we were sneaking up on bears like crazy. I mean, I was on top of bear. There was. He filmed me last year goofing. He had a tag last year. I was goofing off, and I started just sneaking up on a bear. And I got to the point I had the bow in my hand, 
and I got right up to the bear, and I was just going to tap him with the limb tip. <laughs> and the bear also spun his head and looked at me, and I heard something behind me, and then the bear ran off. And I look back, I go, what are you doing? He goes, I was diffusing the situation. What were you doing? <laughs> I was just going to tap him. You know, and yeah. he did. Yeah. You know, but you could get pretty close to him because they get they're so preoccupied staring in the water at the salmon. Mm-hmm. They're just like mesmerized, you know, and that they're in that state yeah. of hyperphagia that they just want to feed, 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 you know. Oh, so, that's, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah, so that's fun stuff doing that. So what kind of what kind of advice do you have to somebody who says just getting started in traditional archery, really archery in general, to uh, branch out beyond their like state or anything like that that you know maybe wants to go shoot a bear or a pig or this or you know whatever you know like how would you you know you've been around enough to kind of feel a lot of things out and you know me myself personally you know i want to do those things too but how would you guide somebody in that direction to try to branch out beyond whitetails or turkeys in their area and things like that well obviously um i always say don't overlook adventure in your own backyard yeah because a lot of states have cool adventures but if you want different species obviously we're geographically we're limited if you live in yeah. the eastern united states right what yeah. we don't have the species to hunt east of the mississippi so you're, you're handicapped in that way so like going out west, I've done elk hunts and antelope hunts and mule deer hunts out west, um, stuff like that. I I I put in for a lot of tags, and I okay. haven't drawn any this year. I've only got one drawing left, but that's one thing I I recommend doing. That way you can DIY it and yeah, and and things have really changed in the last say ten years or so with all these forums and stuff. Uh, big Maybe time. even a little bit longer than that because if you draw a tag out west, you can go on the bow site or any of these other state archery forums, and you can say you draw, and so many people are helpful. They don't care yeah. if you're a traditional archer or, or you're not, or, yeah. or you got yeah. members of PBS or Compton or your state local organizations that may have done these hunts. Or um, say you draw a tag in, like me for Utah when I drew my mountain goat tag, or even my antelope tag in Utah, I started reaching out to people, or you can look up the membership list, and you can see people that live in this, they may know someone, or get you pointed yeah. in the right direction. Yeah. So, um, so there's a lot of um, avenues that you can use. There's a lot more resources available. So um, we're back when I started doing it. It was making phone calls or writing letters <laughs> through the mail. Calls. Yeah. And a lot of like back in the day, I mean, where I would always go either moose hunting or bear hunting in Ontario, they were like radio phones. So it was almost mm-hmm. like talking like on a CB deal when you were on yeah. your house phone. Then it'd have to click in and out for them. It, it was not easy, but you made it happen. But even going to Alaska was the same deal. Yeah. And those guys aren't by the phone, so it's, it's almost better to write them letters at the time. So there's a lot of correspondence going on. Yeah. But now you have you can just go on the internet and you can find this stuff out. So oh. um, that's kind of how I, you know, um, talked to guys that had hunted the unit where I killed my mountain goat. You know, so I kind of knew. Same thing with the, my antelope in Utah. Um, just got you know people that knew the area, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you just can't get you know some you can't people get, get discouraged in, too. There's a there's a lot of people out there that you know steer you in the wrong direction because they don't want people 
being in those areas too. Yeah, yeah. but a lot of it, like here's here's an example of what you just said. So when I drew my antelope tag in Utah, I drew it on the first try. So I said, okay, I don't even know what unit I put in for where it's at. I don't know why I put in. I looked at the odds I put in. I drew it. Okay. So I had went out of the bow site and opened up a forum about I drew this antelope tag for this unit. Any information would be greatly appreciated. Just I'm not asking for your honey hole. I'm just asking what to expect. Right. Yeah. General. Right away. Negativity. There's no antelope. That's a low density unit. Uh, you're going to see more rattlesnakes than you are antelope you should just turn the tag back in i got all that i didn't get anything right no response so now or at least anything positive so and i had started that right when i drew the tag so all summer long um i kept watching this and i kept trying to reach out and i talked to biologists but no one's commenting on this forum so then i found another utah hunting forum commenting on that and one of the very first comments was yeah, you should have turned that tag. You should turn that tag back in. The density is real low. And same thing. Then someone further down chimed in. And it could have been the same guy under a different name, but there's so many rattlesnakes. Beware. You know, and yeah, I'm not worried about rattlesnakes. So I wanted to just no. find about antelope, but um yeah. so I just had to really start doing my own homework. Yeah. I had to I talked to a biologist, I used Google Maps and I started looking. I got the outlines of where the BLM, state land, public, you know, this at the borders. I started looking for areas where there'd be water holes on BLM. Mm-hmm. And I found it. I did find a spot that was maybe three and a half, four miles from a main road that showed like a reflection from the sun. Okay. So yeah. I assumed, because when you would zoom it in, you couldn't get the definition I needed to be yeah. sure. But when I but I could see greenery growing around in the sage around this reflection, so I knew it had to be a water hole. Water hole for sure. Yeah. So about two weeks before I went, some guy finally chimed in on a Utah forum says, "I live in the unit. I've shot a lot of antelope with my bow. I'd be willing to help you." And he was an older gentleman in his seventies. Went out there. I met him. He said he had a friend who would shot numerous Pope and Young. And Boone and Crockett, um, antelope in the state with a bow, with yeah. with a bow in Utah. He'll help you out too, give you some pointers. So I met, I flew out there two days earlier, or the day before the season, or two days before. Anyway, met this guy, and he's like, "Well, how far have you been practicing?" And I said, "I've been practicing out to thirty yards." And this, and I'm like six foot two. This guy's like six five, six seven. He's looking at me. This is the guy. The old man introduced me to. He, yeah, he looks at me. and goes, "They're big like, out there." Yeah, he's like. uh no, I'm being serious. How far have you been practicing? I go, I've been practicing up to 30 yards. I said, but I'm not going to probably shoot one that far. He said, well, what are you shooting? I told him. <laughs> and he just kind of looked at He finally just said, good luck. And he turned and walked yeah. away back into where he worked. Same he exact goes, thing happened to me. Same yeah, so they don't, he's like, yeah. so the old man's like, well, he, I thought you were practicing a lot further than that. I said, no, I told you. So, <laughs> Anyway, that guy let me, he said he would let me borrow his truck not to run a truck, so I rented a car. But my mistake, I should have never done that. Yeah. So he wanted to go with me. Um, and he said, I got some spots picked out I can show you, which he did. And I said, no, okay, these are great. They were right up by the highway. I could see cars, people's houses, um, their cattle, their horses. I didn't want to hunt like that. You know, because mm-hmm. no, they'll come up in these people's yard. They don't care. Or they're behind their houses or this or that or whatever it was. 
I said, I want to go to this one spot. And I showed him on a map. He goes, yeah, that water hole. That's not a water hole. I said, well, I want to drive back there on this road because it shows it's a water hole, in my opinion, because of the reflection of the sun and blah, blah, blah. He goes, I know that spot. That has that. What do they call them? I don't know. They got it's all a kinds water of... tank, but he said that thing hasn't worked yeah. in years. Yeah. So we drove back there, and there's a little rise as we come to that thing, and we got to turn to our right. And as we come over the rise, there's antelope walking away from it. It's like, oh, <laughs> it must have water in it. Yeah. So what I, I did is I had bought a, a section of camouflage material at the hardware in town, like that burlap camel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And two, like, um, you know those fiberglass stakes? Like mm-hmm. those stakes? Oh, anyway. Yeah. So I had that. I said, this is where I'm hunting because I want to hunt on the ground. I'm not using a blind. Yeah. So I, and they, they were like stunted spruce trees growing near the water tank. So anyway, I set that whole deal up and then was back there the next day. And ended up uh, that day while he wanted to hunt with me. Well, he's letting me loan his truck, blah, blah, blah. He's 70-some years old. He's being generous. I don't <laughs> want him hunting with me. What am I going to tell him? No. I can sit all day, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, he couldn't. He couldn't sit still for five minutes, but <laughs> it's uh, it ended up working out that um, in the afternoon, um, I ended up killing an antelope. They kept circling. I had missed one earlier. It was so hot that my arm guard had slid down. It caught my bowstring. I normally don't shoot the arm guard. It was just, and then he was telling me I didn't know how to shoot my bow because I didn't draw it back to my ear. It was just like <laughs> laughing all day. Well, then he tells me, hey. My wife's not too happy about you using my truck. So, and I, and I mean, a giant antelope had come in and wouldn't offer me a shot. And then after that, he's telling me, I go, what do you mean? He's like, well, my wife's not too happy about me loaning you my truck. So um, you're going to have to use your car after this. I'm like, I can't drive that car all the way back here. There's no way. <laughs> so now my mind is racing. Okay, I can drive three hours back to where I rented the car from because I flew into Las Vegas. Exchange it, just lose a day of hunting. Drive it, like, exchange it, get a truck. Oh my goodness, an SUV or whatever. Yeah, or hope an antelope comes in tonight. You know, it's the opening day. Well, then these antelope come in and they just wouldn't give me a shot. And the one started circling around, and these are these stunted spruce. And it's just a little thing. I mean, I'm talking, it's probably or not spruce trees. I'm sorry, they're cedar trees. Um. It's a little thing, a little patch, and it's like a 20-yard circle, maybe 30-yard mm. circle, a little strip. Yeah. So they started. he started to circle around back behind where we were. I kind of crawled through those cedar trees and got to the end, and he was like as, at a fast walk, quartering, slightly quartering away, but he was out there, and um, I just drew back, and I just said, well, I, <laughs> I can make a shot, not even thinking about it. And I shot in, and it was like I couldn't uh, walked up there and put the arrow on him, and he perfect behind the shoulder. Yeah, nice. And he took off and did a big half circle, and there were <laughs> it kind of started to fall off like through a small uh, like contour in the land. I seen him stop for a second, he fell over. Oh. And the old man's like, "Oh my God!" He goes, "We're never gonna find that antelope." I go, "What?" Because <laughs> that was way too far. Why did you shoot that far? I go, he's right there by that that little bit taller sagebrush right there. He goes, that's way too far to shoot a bow at an antelope. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like looking at he's him. He's dead. Like, he's dead. It's about 30 yards, if that. He's like, that's too far. And you shot him through the guts. He goes, he's going to run from. I go, 
I sat him right behind his shoulder, perfect. He goes, there's no way. I seen the arrow go in him. He goes, he's gut shot. And he goes, that's just way too far to shoot. I go, you stand right here. Don't move. So he, I said, you stand right where I'm at. I go, was he standing by that book? He goes, exactly. I walked, it was 27 steps. Oh, really? So he, he was like 27 yeah. yards. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, stay right here for reference, you know. So he You're did, and I walked over, and I waved yeah. him over. The antelope didn't even go 100 yards. Oh, nice. Oh, dead. So awesome. then I quartered it all out. I had a salmon cooler with me, full of ice, which I had gotten in the morning. Quartered the whole thing out on the tailgate of his truck. Broke it all down. Um, got it in there. And then we shot back to town. And I said, hey, let's go back to that tire shop where your buddy works at. I want to show him my antelope. And uh, so we did. And he got his buddy to come out. This guy comes out. He goes, I can't believe you got an antelope. Congratulations. And uh, I'm like, I, you know, I was just kind of doing it almost out of spite, which I'm normally not like that. But <laughs> well, you the, the old guy proceeds to tell in. him, it you was the to. best shot I've ever seen. <laughs> completely opposite of what he was talking yeah, about. Exactly. He shot him right, you know, blah, blah, blah. Was, you know, and anyway, but it was just kind of funny. So, but it, my point is, I ended up having to do my own homework on that. Yeah. Because I wasn't getting any positive feedback, but I didn't let it be influence me one way or another. Because I've said this before on other podcasts, and I've always said this when I go hunting, I plan on killing something every time yeah. I go out, even if it's deer hunting. Because yeah. what else am I doing to go out there? If I don't, I don't care. I've never been one that right. I didn't get an animal. If I, I've done a lot of hunting trips, I haven't gotten them. I don't care. Yeah. But I have that mindset I'm going to kill something, I'm going to make something happen. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's, like I say, so back to the original part of your story is don't get discouraged if you don't get any positive feedback. But there are so many avenues and people. I've never met any PBS members or Compton members that aren't willing to share information with people because oh, they want to enjoy the same thing. You know, yeah. the traditional archery community is a bunch of good people. Not that the compound community is. I'm not bashing them either. I'm just saying in general. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's there to share information and and help each other out, you know. I think the big thing is, too, like a lot of the guys that have had success in a long time, you know, and just been successful over a lot of years, want more of the younger crowd to be successful as well. You know, whether it yeah. comes to PBS or anything like that, you know, you're standing around a bunch of guys that have killed things all over the place, you know, right? all kinds of species, everything. And I know who they are, but a lot of these younger guys coming into it, they're like, well, I feel like I'm, you know, a little incapable because, you know, I'm around these guys that, you know, that they've just started traditional bow hunting or whatever, but they're in the perfect atmosphere to learn all the things that go into that, you know, and yep. those guys are more interested in the guys that haven't maybe had so much success as opposed to their own success really right you know, like mm -hmm. they, they just look at you like you're a gold entity to this whole community because they've been doing it for so long that they're just happy to see a young guy stepping into this thing you know and and trying to learn and and be successful you know and and that to me was huge when i went to the lbo and hunted there and with the pbs and everything it just it, yeah that resonated to me more than anything really yeah. i mean you know there's guys that killed freaking 
just about anything you think of, you know, and they're asking you how your hunt went that night. You're like, well, well, yeah, it went okay, but tell me about that, you know, wildebeest you killed in Africa. And they're Mm -hmm. like, well, no, that doesn't matter. You know, like, I want to hear about what you did. I I don't really care. Yeah, they, they don't. They they could right. care less about that. You know, it's it's more focused on keeping the lineage alive in that whole thing than it is you even being there. You know, that it's, means that's, more. That's what I agree, hundred percent. Get the younger yeah. generation, just so everyone's out there having fun, or just get people yeah. involved in archery. Even if you don't hunt, yeah. just shooting a bow is fun. You know. Yeah. yeah. Shooting. Yeah, it's 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 a blast and. Speaking of Compton and, and that, are you going to be at the rendezvous, Jim? Yep. Okay, good. I got a, I always, well, always, I've only gone two or three times and I've always just gone for the day because I'm only about an hour and 15 minutes away. I'm in Northwest Indiana and uh, I don't know, I think I need to come up Friday night and find a place to sleep and, and get around one of these campfires. Cause I would love to just sit there and, and yeah, have a little whiskey and just hear some stories of you guys from guys. So that's hear a lot of lies. I mean, I'm a lot of stories, and a lot of laughing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest thing, Mark is like you get around, you know, and I encourage anybody that's new into this whole thing. You know, I was new into it and I've shot traditional bows for, you know, hunted with traditional bows for about 10, 12 years, something like that. And I never went to a rendezvous. I never, I knew about them, but I just thought that maybe I wasn't in the, uh, you know, I couldn't compare to a lot of these guys and stuff like that, you know, even though I killed like two, three deer a year, this and that, whatever, that was successful. But once I got around these people, oh my goodness, you will never, ever in your hunting career whatever you do I, I don't even care if it's hunting you you'll never meet a more welcoming crowd than you will with traditional bow hunters i mean it's just you know just like jim with the michigan traditional bow hunters and all that dude it, it just it resonates through your whole life like this is a community of people that you're always going to be around they accept you no matter how how you perceive yourself you know it's just it's great you know like they they just want you to be successful that's the biggest yeah. thing you know and they want you to enjoy it and they want you to see the sides of the things that make you appreciate it and that's the biggest thing you know yeah. and and that's what i found the first time i went to it and you know i shot traditional bows for years until i actually went to a rendezvous i think the first one i went to was etar and I was absolutely baffled by yeah. the display of how many people were at Denton Hill. I was like, holy cow. Like, I, you know, I'm just this guy that I like to shoot stuff with traditional bows. You know, right. these people are like, they have businesses and all this. And it was the yeah. most welcoming crowd that I've ever experienced in my entire life. I mean, you, you can't go wrong. I mean, it, nah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Oh, knowledge, everything. It, you just, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. a good community, that's for sure. No doubt, yeah. no doubt, man. I think I'm going to shoot this year for the first time. I've never shot. I've always just went to all the vendors and threw my money out like a crazy drunken sailor. So I think this year I'm going to shoot <laughs> for the first time. I, uh, 
it's funny because I've I shot last year. Yeah, I shot last year, but then it, there was a, a long span there. I probably didn't shoot at Compton Rendezvous for like ten years straight. I just never have time to shoot. Yeah, oh, wow, either really? helping out or talking to people or. Yeah. I just don't get time, but last year I made time to shoot, you know, which was kind yeah. of fun. So, are you speaking this year? Nope. Nope. Okay. Uh, nope. Okay. I will say the the Clay Hayes last year. Yeah. That was cool. Oh, dude, that was, yeah. What yeah. a what a what an aspect of. Oh yeah. The holy cow, that guy is cheese. He's a good guy. Oh yeah. man. I enjoyed that. I, I, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting to watch that whole journey that he had all those weeks and from losing weight to, yeah, I'd have tapped out after about week one. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, that was, that was good. So, um, hey, Jim, do you, the, does the Michigan traditional archers have anything to do with the Michigan? longbow association like that shoot that goes on up there or no or no so michigan traditional bow hunters um we're a whole separate group okay Michigan I, longbow I thought... association so we have our own separate shoots we've actually uh um talked about maybe doing a combination shoot here in the future possibly in the next year or so that, yeah it was something that um actually John, the previous president, myself, had talked about doing some a joint thing together. Um, so, but you know, both great organizations. Oh so, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Oh. I'm bummed. I can't, I can't. Like we had our uh, Ohio traditional shoot on the same weekend as the uh, what is it, the Michigan Longbow Association? Yeah. Yep. I was I was like dead set on going to that this year, and then we made plans and just worked out that the weekend that they had theirs, we were going to have ours. And I'm like, God dang it. You know, yeah, I, that's <laughs> how it goes. <laughs> I heard that shoot is just, too many shoots in the summer. And oh, I've man. never been able to make it to E-Tower. I've always wanted to go. And I may maybe oh, no make way. a little bit better effort to go this year, you know? Uh, yeah. So well, hopefully you go this year, man. I'm, I'm definitely making an effort to go this year. I got kind of bummed out of, going the last two years but yeah i've never been to the new place i went to Denton yeah. for four or five years and yeah i never made it to the new place so i'm excited to see how it is and <clears throat> gosh that's just like the culmination of traditional archery as a whole i feel yeah. you know like yeah. that, that place is just <laughs> it's just there's yeah, so I'm gonna try to make it i hope so hopefully you can that'd be yeah. awesome it's good stuff. All that stuff is good stuff. But hey, guys, I need to run here. And I know Jim, you, uh, we've had you for an hour and fifty minutes here. All right. Um, Not we, long. I, I want to ask you this, Jim. You're going to go to Alaska with Brian. I would love to get you and Brian on sometime after you get back, if you guys would be willing to do that and recap sure. your story. Sure. Definitely. Okay. That would be, I'd love yeah. to share that with the people of of, of that. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. I don't believe Brian will have a problem with that either. Just glad to help out and do it for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And hey, 
for everybody listening, look up Captain Traditional Bow Hunters. We got the rendezvous coming up already in like two weeks. So uh, yep. Southwest Michigan. So look at that and and definitely stop by and 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 you'll you'll as Will and Jim have said, it's a great great time. Yep. Shoot your bows, meet some people, get yeah, advice. Yeah, kids, whatever. the whole family. Yeah, it's a great time. Yeah, Michigan Traditional Bow Hunters also. Yeah, big good organization. You guys do a good job there too. I mean, gosh, I can't yeah. tell you how many times I went to Kalamazoo and talked to Michigan Traditional Bow Hunters at their booth for yeah. hours. Yeah. Cut into me shooting a lot of bows, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me hats off the dude, yeah. yeah. Still, yeah, it, it's great. Yeah, the whole thing's great. But yeah, thanks, Jim. All right, Jim. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. it yeah, we'll, uh, I'll send you a thing via Instagram when we're going to launch, when we'll, uh, we'll let you know when this one comes out. I should be, or we should be on Apple. They keep telling me in a few days, so that'll okay. open up, you know, more avenues for people to listen to this. Uh, okay. That's really the last hurdle we need to get through is getting on Apple. And then, uh, but yeah, we appreciate you uh, carving out a little bit of time and I look forward to seeing you in person at uh, Compton. So yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks. All right, for guys. All right, All right. See you, man. Later. All right. See you guys. See you.